0: Let's pray, and we'll get into this, Father. We uh, we do thank you once again for the privilege that we have to come together to open up your Word, to read your Word. And Lord, to worship you. Thank you that we can worship you in song and lift up our hearts to you. And again, Lord, I thank you for men and women who wrote lyrics, who put those uh, uh, music together, who did those things to give us that that avenue to express worship. And Lord, we want to just continue it, especially as we read tonight with Nehemiah in this prayer. Lord, I, I pray that again... God, our attitude would be one of worship. We would receive from you. We would hear from you. But God, that we would leave here tonight, Lord, more excited about you than when we came in. So bless this time, I pray. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When we left off in Nehemiah last time, if you remember, it was uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. They came together, they got the wall done, woohoo is the time, and they've been feasting and, and, uh, have have that joy they in the midst of that if you remember towards the end of that chapter they said the joy of the lord is our strength so they're in that place now tonight we hit i i kind of kind of think of an interesting part you know i think when we worship some sometimes when we worship we want to worship out loud right we want to want to express ourselves and etc but sometimes we just want to worship inside and, you know, some people are more inside worshipers than outside worshipers. Some people are more outside than inside. And it's okay. You know, it's fun to, to kind of think about how everybody worships God differently. And it sort of bumps me when we begin to judge people. Well, they're not very expressive. They're not, you don't know what's going on in a person's heart. I remember when I was at Bible college, I, I used to go to a couple different churches up on the mountain there in Big Bear. And someone said, hey, come to this church. This guy's a phenomenal Bible teacher. So we drove, it was kind of around the lake. So we drove over there and we went and the, the worship was kind of kind of churchy worship. I don't know how to express it. Kind of, you know, that, that kind of stuff and, and pretty subdued. But there was one guy and he's like off on his side and he's just raising his hands and he's worshiping. Nobody else is doing that. So here's what I'm thinking. Dude, Why don't you pay attention to what everybody's doing? Like you just shouldn't do that. Nobody else is raising their hands. Nobody else is doing that. Why would you be doing that? That's me, you guys need to know. I'm pretty judgmental. So I'm judging him, you know, and I'm I'm going off on him. And then we get all done with worship and he gets up and teaches. He's the pastor, and I thought, oh, I guess it was okay that he was doing that. So, hey, but all of that to say, we all express different ways and we shouldn't judge one another, but even having said that, I'm not sure we should go in a church that's a little bit more traditional and try and put our moves on it, but we worship differently. Now we come to Nehemiah, they've been, they've been feasting, they've been full of joy, and now they're gonna get into that subdued part of worship that I think is important for all of us. Now here's an interesting thing with prophets, or, or uh, well, you know, I, I don't know if you'd consider Nehemiah a prophetic book, but Ezra chapter nine, Nehemiah chapter nine, and Daniel chapter nine. What do they all have in common? Prayer. They're all about prayer. And again, I would encourage you tonight, you know, when you get home, before you go to bed, go back and read Ezra chapter nine and read Daniel chapter nine. Now, Nehemiah chapter nine, check this out, is the longest recorded prayer in the Bible. And you know how long it takes to read it? Five minutes. Or less. Yeah, four or five minutes and you're done. Sometimes we think, you know, length equals spirituality. And you know, and and again, we need to be careful. I don't think, I personally don't think we should judge anyone on how they pray. Sometimes people have said to me, you know, you said that, that was you know whatever, and I tell them when they tell me that, I could tell them I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to God. So if you don't like what I said, that's your problem. I wasn't talking to you. So, you know, don't judge people on how they pray. And, you know, it's number one, they're not talking to you. It's none of your business. They're just letting you listen to their conversation with God. So here we have this interesting prayer. And this is a kind of a prayer of contrition. There's a lot of, there's a lot of I, I consider, confession going on, repentance going on. And it's just a sweet, sweet time in the book of Nehemiah after this exhilarating time and, and and time that they had so Picking it up in verse 1 of chapter 9, it says, Now on the 24th day of this month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting in sackcloth and with dust on their heads. So again, the opening part. So they came out of the feasting and went into fasting. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? But they got into the place and all of these, whether you're talking about fasting, sackcloth, or dust on your head, all of these are just a sign of contrition and brokenness. Here's what they're realizing in in the, the, the Jews at this time after the temple or the walls are built and everything's coming back together, here's what they realize. As a group, they've not been doing too well. As Israel, as a nation, they've kind of blown it from the very beginning. And so something got a hold of their hearts. And I always think it's great when we're still before the Lord and he gets a hold of our hearts and we get to begin to express that in ways that are not necessarily all out loud. Sometimes it's a really quiet thing inside of us and we're letting God know, Lord, I am so, so sorry. And I think it's important. I, 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 don't, I don't really like public confessions, they kind of bother me when somebody gets up and wants to say, you know, things that they've done and etc. and I guess some people need to do that for their own well-being, but man, I think, listen, I think some of the sweetest times I've ever had with the Lord are me and him alone, and when I'm coming clean, and I just let him know, Lord, I did that, and it's horrible. That's what these guys are doing. So they express it by putting on sackcloth, by dust on their head. And and then check this part out, because I think this is important. Verse 2, then those of Israelite lineage separated themselves from all the foreigners, and they stood and they confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers, which we're about to read. So we're going to read that. But I think, listen, you need to separate yourself from the world when you're getting into that mode. And again, that's where I think the quietness, that's where I think prayer closets come in, whatever you want to call it, not so much public. And and I think it's important as believers where we separate ourselves. We're not part of the world. I hope you know that. We're in this world, but we're not part of the world. And you know, but, but listen man, they got aside and they said, I'm just gonna get away. And I'm not advocating, listen, I'm not advocating isolating ourselves. When we recognize who we are as Christians, it's not so much isolation as it is distinction. I'm different than you, and I know that I'm different than you, and I'm different of you because of Jesus Christ in my life. And so that's what they're doing, but, but they're getting together, they have this time, they're confessing their sins, the iniquities of their fathers. And verse three says, and they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord, their God, for one fourth of the, of the day, and then for another fourth of the day, they confessed and they worshiped the Lord, their God. Don't you love that, man? Listen, man, would you like to do church for a fourth of the day? Some of you are going, no way. But man, they're into this, right? And here's what they're doing. They're just reading. They're just reading the Word. And here's what I know in my life. When I read the Word, the Word does a work in my heart. And the Word reveals to me who I am and who my God is. And the Word convicts me I get much more, I think, convicted than I from reading the Word than I do from someone's, you know, great points and they have great illustrations and etc. You just get, you just get home. I was going to say, get, get alone. You read the Word and it's, so that's what's going on. So then a fourth of the day uh, they, they spend the time where they're confessing and worshiping God. And then verse four says, "'Then Jeshua and his seven friends cried out "'with a loud voice to the Lord.'" Did you like the way I did that? So, huh, that was pretty good, right? Cried out to, with a loud voice. So here's what they're doing. Here, here's Right now they're being out loud, right? They're realizing what's going on and they're being out loud for a minute. And then it's kind of interesting because it says, "'They cried with a loud voice to the Lord their God, "'and the Levites, Jeshua and seven friends said, Stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. Now, don't you like that? Here's what, man, they're they're like excited, right? So now we're beginning that prayer. And a prayer begins here. Again, I think it's most of our prayers should recognizing who God is. And I love the idea. Listen, man. They get up and they stood up and they said, you know, bless. They stand up, bless the Lord your God forever and ever. Bless be your gracious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You have made the. You have made heaven and the heavens of heavens with all their hosts. The earth and everything on it. The seas and all that is in them. And your and you preserve them. And the host of or you preserve them all. And the host of heaven will worship you man i love that whole idea listen man they're recognizing that god is everything when was the last time in your quiet time you let the lord know that you know that he's everything did you just tell him god you are when was the last time you sat down and thanked him for creation you thanked him for making the stars the sun the moon and you just sat there and you just meditated on that. And then, and then in the midst of that, here's what you realize. In the midst of all of that, you realize that all of the heavens and everything he made worship him and bring him glory. And you get to be part of that. Little OU, you get to be involved in that and get to be that. That's where these guys came. They came to that conclusion from reading the word, from worshiping, and from confession, and now they're in that place, man. They're in that place, they're going forward, so now we hear the prayer, and you know, some people, here's the the thing that kinda kills me, is you get into this and you start reading the Brainiacs, smart guys. They wanna have long discussions on, now, did they take turns praying this prayer, and one prayed one verse, and one prayed, and how did they do it, was it out loud, was it all together, was it something, and I'm going, why are you spoiling this? Why don't you just read it, right? And again, don't make it so complicated. Who cares how it came out? Nehemiah got it written down for us so that we would know what was going on in the hearts of individuals that day. Maybe it was his own prayer. I don't know. And I don't really care. But as he said that, here's what we're going to do. We're going to kind of do the history of Israel. We're going to start from the beginning with Abram. And we're going to go all the way through really quick as they start thinking about things all the way through to where they are today, them, not today here, but today for them in Nehemiah where they finish the wall. And it's kind of interesting because, you know, I think it's sometimes good for us to remember where we came from. I think it's good to remember where we were and it's good to remember where we are, but it's really good to remember where we're going. And so as we think about that, I want, us to, I want us to kind of focus, that's what these guys are doing. So they're re, kind of rehearsing everything. And in the midst of that, here's what they're recognizing. They blew it along the way. And you know, it's always good, I think, to let the Lord know that you know you blew it. What's fascinating to me is sometimes we try and hide things from God. Do you know that God knows everything? He knows the beginning from the end. He knows everything. He knows every thought you had. He knows every thought you might have had. He knows every thought that the thought might have had if you had thought the thought that it would have come. He knows all of that. And so, listen, when you tell the Lord that you've done something, he's not in heaven in shock thinking, oh, no, not you. I had such high hopes. (laughs) Confession is good for your soul, not for his soul. And you're agreeing with him. And you're recognizing what you've done. So listen, they're going to do that along the way. So after they say, after they declare who God is, now they're doing the rehearsing of who they are. Verse 7 you are the Lord God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans. You gave him the name Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you and you made a covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Gergesites, and you gave to give to his descendants And you have performed your words, for you are righteous. Here's what they're doing. Here's what you promised Abraham. Here's where we're at. And God, you keep your word. You're faithful to your word. So they recognize that. Now they're going to talk a little bit about Egypt and coming out of there. You saw the affliction in verse 9 of our fathers in Egypt and heard their cry by the Red Sea. You showed signs and wonders against Pharaoh against all his servants against all the people of his of this of his land and you knew that they acted proudly against them so you made a name for yourself as it is this day and you divided the sea before them so that they worshiped or so that they went through the midst of the sea on dry land and their persecutors you threw into the deep as a stone into the mighty waters moreover you led them by day with a cloudy pillar and by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on the road which they should travel so listen again this is coming out right now they've come out of egypt so you had abraham and you went through that whole process then you went into egypt now you came out of egypt you're on your way now you're in the wilderness now you're going to go to mount sinai right verse 13 you came down also on mount sinai spoke with them from heaven and gave them just ordinances true laws and good statutes and commandments something to notice about verse 13 that i think is important the israelites recognized what god did for them was good not a restraining not something horrible his law was good for them. Why? It gave them the opportunity to be all they could be. We need to understand God's, quote, you know, giving us uh, things that are, uh, for some people think restrictive, are actually freeing. And he let you be who God intended you to be. And I love the idea of just how they put this in this prayer when they say, man, listen, just ordinances, true laws, and good statutes. When was the last time you looked at Leviticus and said, this is good? Or you read Deuteronomy and said, that's, that's, that's good. It's good commandments, good statutes. We usually look at it and go, oh my word. So think about that in in their heart. And then he said, verse 14, you made known to them your holy Sabbath and commanded them precepts and statutes and laws by the hand of Moses, your servant. You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger, and you brought them water out of the rock for their thirst, and you told them to go to possess the land which you had sworn to give them. So that's kind of a quick history, right? We do the quick history, and we're going to talk about something, then we're going to go back and do a little bit more history of that time but listen to verse 16 but they and our fathers acted proudly hardened their necks I kind of like that right instead of a stiff neck they hardened their necks and and, uh, and did not heed your commandments they refused to obey and they were not mindful of your wonders that you did among them but they hardened their necks, and in their rebellion, they appointed a leader to return to their bondage. But you are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in kindness, and did not forsake them. So again, kind of a quick, kind of a, a quick little thing. Remember, they got into the desert, and here's what they said. Oh, we miss Egypt so much. The leeks and the onions. It was so good, and now we're out here in a desert, and we're gonna die. Now when they were leaving Egypt, they were pretty glad to get out from under the bondage of Egypt, right? But now they're like, oh, we wanna go back. Kinda like us, right? Sometimes we look at things, and why are you doing that? Oh, because I just like leaks. I really don't like leeks, but you know they're kinda oh so good back there. And it is isn't it funny how some things like trigger um, trigger memories and, and you do it. My my grandmother, uh, my mom's mom, used to always have this candy, whorehound candy. Any of you taste whorehound candy? It's like the worst tasting stuff in the entire universe. <laughs> but you know what? Every time I go in a candy store that's old-fashioned candy, I buy whorehound candy. Why? Because it's grandma, right? You kind of have that. And, and I think that's what these guys are doing with leaks. It's like, oh, remember how good those were? No, your times weren't good there. You were in bondage. But isn't it funny how we get freed from bondage, but then we put ourselves in bondage and not walk in the freedom that we have in Christ and they're not walking in the freedom so they go back and then verse 17 he says even when they made the molded calf for themselves and said this is your God that brought you up out of Egypt and worked and worked great provocations." so remember when they did the whole thing and Aaron did the golden calf and that whole scene is like the most bizarre scene I think in the entire Bible it just cracks me up when Aaron goes I don't know what happened man these crazy people Moses, you're up on a mountain. These crazy people—they threw gold in the fire, and his calf jumped out. I always love that, right? It's like—it's like number one. Why would you tell God such a bizarre story? I mean, can't you make something better up, like, like you know? But no, he comes up with this thing. So they did the molten calf. They provoked God, and in verse 19, listen to verse 19. How important this is for you and I to remember. Yet in your manifold mercies, don't you love that term? Your manifold mercies, not just, not just one, not just two. God has an abundance of mercies. Don't, don't you just that idea? Why did they know about God's great manifold of mercies? Because they blew it a whole bunch. Now I'm not advocating that we go blow it so we can experience God's mercies, but I love that idea. And when was the last time in your prayer you just thank God for his great mercy? that, that God is merciful in so many different ways, in so many different areas of your life. So that just, that just part, that just part, that part just touches me in your manifold of mercies. You did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud did not depart from them by day to lead them on the road, nor did the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way that they should go. You also gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna uh, from their mouth and you gave them water for their thirst. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. Does that kind of blow your mind when you think about that? I mean, you think about what happened to them and they stayed in the wilderness because they sinned against God but he also took care of them that entire time. Does that kind of blow your mind? we need to think about that in our own lives. Hey, we may blow it to God, but he's not gonna abandon us. He's not gonna give up on us. He's not gonna quit on us. He stayed with them. As a matter of fact, he provided for them. He gave them the cloud. He gave them the pillar. He gave them manna. He took care of them that whole time. And I love the idea their clothes didn't wear out. How would you like to have clothes that lasted 40 years. Some of you go, I do. They're in my closet. <laughs> and some of you are going, no, they go out of style. What's the matter with you? Well, I think they stayed stylish. Here's my opinion. I think the clothes just changed with the style. You don't have a style in the wilderness. It doesn't matter. But, hey, their feet didn't swell in another passage. It says their shoes didn't wear out. That's amazing, right? So here's what they're saying. In the midst of our rebellion, God remained faithful. Saints remember that. Because here's what the devil's gonna tell you. You're in trouble, you're not worthy, you're not good enough, you don't deserve it. And all of that is true, it's absolutely true. But God has mercy on you. And God is gonna be faithful to you no matter what. No matter what, I don't care. Don't listen to the devil, listen to the word of God. Don't let the enemy rip you off from what God wants to do in your life and keep you and sustain you for 40 years if necessary. Just trust him. So they lay that out there. I love that part. And then verse 22, moreover, now we're gonna move in, right? We're gonna go through the book of Judges here real quick. Moreover, you gave them kingdoms and nations in verse 22 and you divided them into districts So they took possession of the land of Sihon and the land of the king of Hishmon and the land of Og, the king of Bashan. And you also multiplied their children as the stars of heaven. And you brought them into the land which you had told their fathers to go in and possess. So the people went in and possessed the land and you subdued before them the inhabitants of the land of the Canaanites and you gave them into into their hands with the kings and the people of the land so that they might do with them as they wish. As they wished, and they took strong cities, a rich land, possess houses full of all goods, and cisterns uh, already dug, vineyards and olive groves, and the fruit trees in abundance, so that they were filled and they grew fat, and they delighted themselves in your great goodness. So I'm sorry, this is this is Joshua, right? They go in and they got the land. They divided all the land up. Everything's good, woohoo! And that's kind of how we like it, right? We want to do good when God. When things get tough. We're not like, woohoo, but here's what I found. When things get tough, it causes me to draw closer to God. When I'm prosperous, uh, I gotta be honest. If I'm really, really honest and transparent, when I'm doing well, I'm not as diligent about seeking the Lord as I should be. What's the proverb in in one of the proverbs? What's the proverb? Lord, don't give me so much that I don't trust you, but don't give me so little that I have to go steal. Right, that's that's a patter Right? Remember the, the, the proverb says, uh, you know, Lord, here's what I want to be. And, and that's kind of, and here they're doing well, man. Everything is going good. What happened to Israel when they went in and everything's good? Hey, when you move in to a new place and everything's planted for you and everything's taken care of, all the wells are dug, all the fruit trees are blooming, you know, you're moving in somebody else's house and yes. And you're going, yes. And then they got lazy. And so as they got lazy is the book of Judges. So now we're, now we're gonna look at Judges for a minute. Verse 28, Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against you and cast your law behind their backs and they killed your prophets who testified against them to turn them to yourself and they worked great provocations. Therefore, you delivered them into the hand of their enemies who oppressed them And in a time of their trouble, here it is, right? In a time of their trouble, when they cried to you, you heard from heaven, and according to your abundant mercies, you gave them uh, deliverers who saved them, from the land of their, from the hand of their enemies. But after they had rest, they again did evil before you. Therefore, you left them in the hand of their enemies, so that they had dominion over them. Yet when they returned and cried out to you, you heard from heaven, and many times uh, you delivered them according to your mercy. So remember the book of the book of I was going to say Proverbs, the book of Judges. How they would like go and they'd do okay, and then and then they would get into rebellion and they would blow it, and then God would raise up another judge, and then they would blow it, and then, you know, do well, then they would blow it. Well, that's what they're saying here. And that's kind of like us, I think, in our own lives. If we're really honest, man, we start climbing out of a pit, and we go like this, and we're doing good, and we're going, yes! And then we all of a sudden say, well, I don't need God as much as I needed him yesterday. And we're kind of like doing our own thing. We start, we start getting, you know, close to the edge, right? Right? And we go, uh, how, how close can I get without sinning? Don't do that, you're gonna fall. And so you tend to do that and so they fell and then God picked them back up and they fell and God picked them back up. So that's the book of Judges back and forth. And then verse 29 says, and you testified against them that you might bring them back to your law, yet they acted proudly and did not heed your commandments but sinned against your judgments which if a man does, he shall live by them. And they shrugged their shoulders, stiffened their necks, and would not hear. Yet, for many years you had patience with them. Aren't you glad God is patient? I am. I am really glad he's patient. I'm glad that he doesn't give up. If I had to deal with me, I guess I kind of do because I live inside here, But if I had to deal with me the way God has to deal with me, I think I would give up on me. I'd say, you just forget you. But God is patient and he works and he works and he works. Sort of reminds me of, again, the clay in the potter and just working at that clay and knowing that you can make something great out of that clay. And you know, sometimes as a potter, sometimes you need to know clay gets a little bit stubborn and gets a little bit hard to deal with. And just working it and knowing... In your mind, here's what you know as a potter. I can make something good out of this. And here's what God knows about your life. I can do something with this. Maybe not good, but I know I can do something with this. I think he looks at some of us and I'm just going to keep working. He's patient. And I love that whole idea of many years. How long was he patient with Israel? 400 years? Patiently bearing with them. And we might even say millenniums, right? because he's still dealing with Israel. He's patient. Man, understand that for your life and how good he is. So, so again, verse 30, for many years you had patience with them and, and testified against them by your spirit and your prophets, yet they would not listen. Therefore you gave them into the hand of the peoples of the lands. Nevertheless, your great mercy, in your great mercy you did not utterly consume them nor forsake them for you are God, gracious and merciful. Don't ever forget, even when you feel abandoned by God, that's what they're saying. Even though they felt abandoned, here's what they know. God is gracious and God is merciful. No matter what, again, don't listen to the, uh, to the lies from the pit of hell. Listen to the truth from God and what he has to say. And and I think this is, you know, just, again, a great prayer. And so here they are. And here's, here's the way I look at this. Israel so bad wanted to be in the world. They kept rebelling against God. If you go through their whole history of kings and chronicles, and they're wanting to rebel, they're wanting to go the way of the world. Here's what God did. You want the world? Go. And that scares me. You see, that scares me that God says, okay, I'm going to put you in that situation and I'm going to make you sick of the world, right? The whole Babylonian captivity. Be careful. Be careful when you're pushing against God. Man, he may say, okay, go. And that's a scary thought, isn't it? So now, verse 32 now, therefore, our God, the great and mighty and awesome God who keeps covenant and mercy. Do not let the trouble, uh, do not let the trouble seem small before you that has come upon us. So here's what's going on. Now they're back. Now they finally. We we might say this. They've done everything. They finally got to what they wanted to pray about, and that's what some of us do. We go on and on and on and on, and we finally get to what we want to pray about. And you know, I'm I'm glad God is patient in those times because if I were God, I would say, would you just get to the point? Like, why did we rehearse this whole history? Like, I didn't know what you guys did, but they did all of that as a sign of contrition. Here's who we are. We know what's going on. We know what we've done, and then now, listen, now they're at the point, and they said, hey, God, you keep your covenant covenant and, and your mercy, and you do not let your trouble come upon us, Our kings, in the middle of verse 32, our kings and our princes, our priests and our prophets, our fathers and all your people from the days of the kings of Assyria until today. However, you are just in all that has befallen us. For you have dealt faithfully, but we have done wickedly. Neither our kings nor our princes nor our priests nor our fathers have kept your law nor heeded your commandments, your testimonies with which you testified against them. For they have not served you in their kingdom or in the many good things that you gave them or in the large and rich land which you see before them nor did they turn from their wicked works. So again, thinking about where they're at, this is where they're at. They came back, and here's what they're saying. We're so not deserving of where we're at. Do you ever wake up in the morning and realize you're really not deserving of the salvation you have, of the grace that God has given you, of, the, of how good he is to you? And they're kind of reiterating that. And then here we are, here we are, verse 36. Here we are, servants today. Don't you love that? Here's what they're declaring. God we're gonna serve you. We know our national history. We know our genetic history, if you will. Sometimes it's good to understand your genetic history and, and you know, and, and maybe your, you know, what your genes bring into the thing. I understand for myself, I'm, you know, I have some Serbian in me, and Serbians are not nice people. It's just a fact. And and so you kind of wonder at times how much of that influences things that I do. And it's good to rehearse that, it's good to understand that and and know that, but here's what they're saying. But all of that, we rehearsed all of that, we rehearsed what we did and how we got to today. And here we are today, and here's what I love. We've made up our minds today, we're gonna be servants. Have you made up your mind today, today, that you're gonna serve the Lord? Not tomorrow, not in the future, but today, are you going to serve him today? I think that's important. And I love what they say. Here we are servants today. And the land that you gave to our fathers to eat its fruit and its bounty in, in verse 36, here we are servants in it. We're here. Here's what they're, they're amazed that they're there. Woo, we are in the land, right? We've talked about that. They came, you know, these guys probably didn't come out of the captivity. They were probably born in Jerusalem. But we're here today. Do you look at your life and go, I'm here today, I can't believe where I'm at. And then listen, and then it says in verse 37, and it yields much increase to the kings you have set over us. Because of our sins, also they have dominion over our bodies and our cattle. At their pleasure, we are in great distress. They still understand we've blown it. They weren't free. Israel's really not free today when you think about where they're at. When you think about you have that little tiny nation and all around them, the nations all around them hate them. The nations around them even have documents saying they have no right to exist. I think that's weird. When you just get down to that nitty gritty, that's just weird saying somebody doesn't even have a right to exist on this planet and yet they do that. So hey, they're still struggling, why? because they've rejected their God. They have chosen to be, even today, in spite of everything you might see and hear, they are still a secular society. Israel is not a religious society, they're secular. And they're still suffering today because they reject God. And when you reject God, I think they're a perfect picture whether you look at them. You know, from Kings and Chronicles, whether you look at Joshua, whether you look at Nehemiah, whether you look at, you know, history, New Testament, or whether you look at today, they are a great example of what happens when you choose to reject God and do things your own way. It's never good, never good. It never turns out, it never works well. So anyway, that's where they're at in Nehemiah's day. And then verse 38 is it. You know, It's kind of weird. I think at times when we pray, don't read verse 38 yet, it's suspenseful. <laughs> at times when we pray, we kind of save and we kind of finally get to the end of it and it's like the best. It's like, that's what we were here for. And you know, sometimes I think to myself, why didn't you just say that in the beginning? We would have been done an hour ago, right? But listen, man, they're finally there. And I love, listen, I love the heart of this people. You can say whatever, but listen to their heart. Verse 38, and because of all of this, we make a sure covenant and write it. Wow, wow. When was the last time you wrote something down? Now, I'm, I'm not advocating you have to do that. I'm not a journal, a journal guy, you know, like some people keep prayer journals and, and I get that. I'm just not that person. I'm not, I'm not a writer at all. I've had some people ask me, why don't I write something? And it's number one, if I hand wrote it, no one would read it because you can't. Even my wife can't read it sometimes. She, she will come to me, what is this? And they go, that's very simple. That's 150. Really? That's what she says to me, really? And then I was in a foreign country. I signed a, a credit card receipt. A foreigner in another country said, your handwriting's atrocious. And I thought, how do you know what I even wrote? Why would you say that to me? So I don't, I don't journal for that reason. And then another reason, I just don't think that way. It's just not who I am. So I'm not saying that, you know, you need to do something, but... You know, when was the last time if you wrote it in your heart or if you are a journaler, is that right? Or did I make a word up? Journalers, okay, thank you. So if you're you're that person, when was the last time you sat down with the Lord and say, God, I am going to covenant with you to do this? I know some people go, we're free. I know we're free. You're free to do that. When was the last time you were that serious about what you saw that God revealed to you for you to go forward with, that you're gonna write it down, whether you write it in your heart or you literally write it down. I love this idea. We made a covenant right now, God. We make a sure covenant, and we're gonna write it, and then our leaders, our Levites, and our priests will seal it. Now, we don't have leaders. We don't have Levites. We don't have priests. Well, we kind of have leaders, but sort of, but we don't have Levites or priests, but I don't think, again, I don't think it's the church's leadership or the leadership of the church's business what you're covenanting with the Lord. And I know some churches do that. Make a covenant and give it to us and we'll make sure you keep it, especially your money. But we're not that church, right? <laughs> Saints, what I like about Nehemiah chapter 9, it's a little bit different prayer than Ezra chapter 9, way different than Daniel chapter 9. They're all different kind of aspects of approaching God. What I like about Nehemiah chapter nine is, is I look at it as this. It is pure, simple honesty before God. Just sitting and being real with God. And I think that's so important for us as we go forward and as we even, you know, walk through this event that we're walking through right now that is scrambling some of our brains and. You know, some of us are just like, shh. Let's be real before God because he's gonna guide us and direct us. Do you know God knows the beginning and the end of this thing? He knows exactly how it's gonna work out. Let's sit still before him. Let's be honest with him and let's open up our hearts to him. And then more importantly, as he reveals things to you, let him know you're his servant and you're gonna do it and you're not gonna bail out on him. Let's stand up and pray. Father, I do I do ask that right now, as we think about what we just read, and Lord, it is, it is a kind of a lengthy time to kind of get to the end. But Lord, I believe sometimes we need to be a people who are honest with you, and we begin to open ourselves up, and we begin to really meditate on who we are, where we've been, what we've done, and where we're going. And so, God, I ask for myself, I ask for my brothers and sisters who are here tonight, I ask for my brothers and sisters who are watching online that we would be real with you. And I think especially right now, during a trying time, during a difficult time, I pray, God, that we would open ourselves up for more of you and less of us. And that God, you would get the glory in our lives. Thank you for being so faithful. Thank you over the years in my life of your faithfulness, of your patience, of your mercy, of your grace. And from all of that in my life, here's what I know looking forward. There are great things ahead because you're a God who's faithful. And so we do look, I look forward to it. I pray my brothers and sisters are doing the same in their hearts right now. And God, guide us and make us your servants. And I'm gonna ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer. And you know what, if you are here tonight, and once again, if you're here tonight and you've never given your heart to the Lord, or if you're watching online and you're you're, uh, uh, in your home, And God has touched your heart. Maybe it happened on this website or maybe somebody like forced your hand and maybe a spouse or a mom or a dad or a child made you watch this and you've never given your heart to Jesus. Tonight is the night. Or if you're in this building again and you've never given your heart to Jesus, tonight is the night. Give your heart to Jesus right now. Call on his name. So as we rehearse this, here's the thing. You gotta be honest with God as we look at what we looked at in Nehemiah, it all begins with your being real and honest with God. You need to let God know that you know that you have sinned against him. That's called confession. And then you need to recognize what he's done on the cross for you. You see, the wages of sin is death, separation from God. That's the bad news, the good news is Jesus Christ took that punishment for you on your behalf. And now he holds that out to you for forgiveness for you. He lets you know, i paid it, here's the payment. So as you look at that, you can grab that receipt from him that's called calling on his name, and tonight you will be born again. So if you wanna do that, I'm gonna say this prayer. You can say it with me. You can say it out loud. You can say it in your heart. If you're at home, say it out loud. Say it real loud like we read. And you know what? Call on his name. So, repeat this after me Jesus, today I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry, God, that I sinned against you. And right now I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you tonight for your forgiveness. And right now, I'm asking you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, I want you to come into my life and guide me. Tonight, I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. If that's a cry of your heart, and you said that prayer tonight, here in, in in the room, and you meant it sincerely, I'm gonna ask you, put your hand up in the air, put a high up in the air. We wanna celebrate with you, we wanna pray for you. Anyone in here making that decision tonight, greatest decision you'll ever make. If you've made that decision at home, again, you you can let us know. But God, I pray right now, as we get ready to leave, that Lord, you, would be glorified in our lives. We want to be like these people we read about. We want to be your servants and we want to honor you and we want to glorify you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you're watching online, you said that prayer, you need to let us know. You can go on our website and there's a a whole thing for a new believer packet or you can still text us. We still have that number, 520-210-3678 approximately, that's the number. Just text that number and if it's the wrong number, whoever gets it will let you know they're praying for you and they're really happy you accepted Jesus. So, but text us, let us know. We do want, listen, we're not trying to count you. What we wanna know is what we can do for you. So let us know and again, as you guys here in the sanctuary, as we get ready to go, rejoice in Jesus, be glad that you're saved. And let the world know, let's go out again. Let's set the hey, in a time where I see, I am so tired of all the propaganda, and I'm sorry to say it that way, of, of no hope, of despair. There is hope in Jesus Christ. Amen. And we need to be the light, and we need to go out, and we need to be a bright light in the midst of this and let people know, hey, it's okay to be normal. God bless you guys.